The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is Friday, March 3rd, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Hello from Florida. I'm here for Baseball HQ's first pitch, Florida. I'm so excited to talk at this conference, and if you are here, come and say hello. Uh, it's such a wonderful time. Uh, thank you to them for bringing me here. And uh, it does mean that this is going to be a little bit shorter. The audio quality is a little bit different. Just keep that in mind. Uh, and we'll be back normal on Monday. But all right. We have a lot to talk about from yesterday. We had Mackenzie Gore going two innings, 1K. It was all right. I was hoping for this explosive game that got us really involved with Mackenzie Gore once again. But monitor him through the spring. Uh, same with Edward Cabrera, two innings, one walk, two Ks. That seems good. It seems like he's all right, but I still have those worries about fastball command. Ramonte Contreras is still a tick down on his heater at 94.5. If you remember last year, it was really good in the beginning, and then it got worse as the year went on. We don't want him to hit 95.5. We want him to hit like 96.5. And So to me, he's more down two ticks than one tick. I'm not in on Ramonte Contreras this year because of this. Alec Manoa went, he went 5 for 14 on slider whiffs. That's a huge deal. He was also one tick down on his fastball, but I'm really excited about the potential for slider whiffs, and considering he's also more of a vet at this point than a rookie establishing himself, I'm not too worried about the fastball velocity. I think that is more of a, hey, save the bullets, and you'll be good by opening day. Someone to consider as a deep sleeper, especially those in NL-only leagues, is Michael Grove with the Dodgers. Why? Because he's looking really good. Two innings, two Ks. He's throwing harder. He has a better curve and slider. And he's the SP6, in my view, for the Dodgers right now. Wait a second. The Dodgers have Clayne Kershaw, who hasn't gone 130 innings. We have Tony Gonsolin, who hasn't gone more than 130 innings. We have Dustin Mays coming back from Tommy John surge. We have Noah Syndergaard, who has injury questions. We have Julio Urias, who hasn't gone 200 innings, right? Uh, They will need Michael Grove, and there might be a moment where they say, oh no, we need you to start regularly and five-plus innings. Michael Grove is someone that we should all be thinking about, especially for your draft and holds leagues as well. On the other side of that was Ryan Nelson, who's trying to get the SP5 spot for the Diamondbacks, but he's still down in velocity. This is clearly, to me, the number three option, not even number two, number three for the Diamondbacks right now, as Brandon Fought is the one fighting with Dre Jameson. Bailey Falter, speaking of SP5 spots, looked fine against the, uh, well, for the Phillies. I kind of think Andrew Painter gets it. Dombrowski is that kind of guy that would be aggressive and chase the talent of Painter. Uh, There's a part of me that wants to be more aggressive. I just passed on him in TGFBI, and I kind of regret it. 
Uh, I'm, maybe I'm saying this and now I won't get him <laughs> in the next round, but I, I have this feeling that Painter is going to get the job out of the gate because he's just that good, especially after the next start. I think you'll start seeing the draft stocks go up as he gets more than two innings and is just, let's say, I don't know, five Ks and three innings. He goes, wait a second. It's going to be uh, Andrew Painter. Uh, he's one of those guys that you feel like before May 1st, he has a job and he's going to be a massive impact for you. Uh, so I'm kind of chasing Andrew Painter everywhere at this moment. And Tanner Hawk went because, of course, you have um, Tanner Hawk, I should say. You have Grayson, not Grayson, uh, Garrett Whitlock, who might be out uh, come opening day, who's still recovering from the hip surgery he had in September. It's just more of, is he going to be ready or not? So they were trying to prepare Hawk. However, 1.2 innings, zero hits, two Ks. And four walks. That's the biggest thing about Hauk. And yeah, not looking great there. Grayson Rodriguez, though, 98 miles per hour in his fastball. Looks fantastic. Uh, yeah. Sign up for Grayson Rodriguez. Unfortunately, we couldn't actually watch this, but everything we've heard has been great for Grayson. Yeah, um, you should be drafting Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Matthew Boyd is back to normal, and that's a huge deal. If you remember Ma- Matthew Boyd in his peak before he, Tommy John and everything, all the bouncy ball got to him. He was 92.5 on his fastball and getting whiffs on the slider. Well, guess what? It was a 30% swing strike rate on his slider yesterday, 3 out of 10, and 92.5 on his fastball. So Matthew Boyd is a very intriguing AL-only grab, if not just for strikeouts, as I think he should still get strikeouts consistently this season. Framber Valdez pitched kind of normal stuff there. Javier, uh, Christian Javier went as well. He had a slower slider, about two ticks down, but the fastball was fine. So I'm curious if that was intent, maybe kind of combining the slider and curveball together a little bit more. Not too sure there. Um, Adam Wainwright is still three to four ticks down. And this is getting a little bit concerning at this point. Obviously, I've said, hey, the veterans are going to ramp up. It might just be one tick down by the end of it. We were already out on Adam Wainwright in the first place. So I think this is just even more encouragement um, to be out moving forward. Zach Eflin went for the Rays, and this is very interesting. They have a good start to begin the year. And Eflin went 1.1 innings pitch, 3Ks, and has a new slider grip. He likes it. This could be a really sneaky get for your deeper leagues. Um, he's someone I think I have circled as, hey, if I need like an SP7 or so to get me some wins in a in a deep format, Zach Eflin's kind of a great choice. Kenta Maeda went two innings, zero runs, and two Ks, which is incredibly impressive considering that hitters could hear the pitch com from the catcher's mask. It was too loud. So they knew what was coming, and it didn't matter. That's kind of cool, honestly. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And we actually have a lot more pitchers to talk about, but before we do, we have to take a, take a quick break. Speaking of older pitchers, Carlos Carrasco is down two ticks, just to 91 miles per hour. It could be by design. I am honestly concerned about it. He is a little bit older. It's... Uh, I don't know. I was I was kind of up in the air if I wanted to go after Carrasco in the first place. I like the first outing for him against the Marlins, and I might still be in for that one. But overall, Carlos Carrasco down two ticks right now it might be an indication that he's just not going to be up to snuff this season. Mitch Keller, though, on the other side, up 1.5 ticks on the fastballs, nine out of 47 whiffs overall, which is so exciting. That's like an 18 percent. Swing strike rate, that's been a major thing against him moving forward. He had six on fastballs, three on sinkers, three on four seamers. But just one out of 13 on the new cutter that a lot of people want to talk about. I don't know why people want to talk about the cutter. It's not getting whiffs. (laughs) Maybe it's more strikes and stuff. That's fine. But, I mean, the fastball getting whiffs is a huge deal. 
Uh, sinker gang whiffs too is kind of surprising. I don't think that lasts, but if you can consistently get those swing strikes with that increased velocity, right? Having increased velocity innately is is not the good thing. It's about, okay, what does it do? Does it make it better balls in play? Do you get more whiffs with it? And generally we want to chase, yeah, those swinging strikes. So to see Mitch Keller get those swinging strikes because of that new velocity is very exciting. Is this finally the year? His slider does profile out so well by PLV. Oh, Mitch Keller. Maybe, 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 maybe this is finally when I say, all right, I'm actually going to draft you. I mean, remember last year I was saying, hey, the velocity's up. Maybe don't draft them at like 650 ADP. But now, yeah, we'll see. JP Sears is fighting for the fifth spot for the Athletics with Waldachuk not looking so good. Well, three innings, five hits, three earned runs, zero walks, four Ks. Maybe that's good enough? I don't know. I've been pretty down on Sears. I don't think the stuff is that indicative of success like it is Waldachuk's. But he might get the job and might be good enough. So someone to think about there. We have some standard fair guys. We have Marcus Stroman, business per usual, except that he went 4Ks in 2.1 innings. Maybe there was something there about the slider and cutter um, being better than usual. But we've also seen him have fluctuations of some days that's there, some days it's not. Cal Quantrill also had 3Ks in two innings and just one earned run. As I just kind of throw my hands up in the air and, and do I just say, all right, he has just done it. There's something about him that I'm not understanding. <laughs> and Cal Quantrill, sure, you're. I guess you're good enough um, for what should be a winning ball club in Cleveland. So maybe we are overlooking him too. Logan Gilbert went 1.2 innings, 300 runs, 2 walks, 2 Ks. Not ideal. Uh, I wouldn't really worry about it early. He's probably messing around with some things at the moment and isn't quite in rhythm, but he has another month to get into rhythm. Seth Lugo on the other side, he has a rotation spot as of now because you have Musgrove out and they were going to go six-man anyway. So it's Nick Martinez to me as number four. You have Seth Lugo as a number five. Three innings, one and run, two walk, zero walks and two Ks. That works for me. Seems like he has good command as well. That's good. The real intriguing one, and I don't know who it is. Who is the SP6 for the Padres? They have a lot of options. They have Weathers. They have Tehran, if you can believe it, as well in there. You have a couple others. But there's Morejon and three innings, one earned run, one walk, three Ks. I think his stuff is legit. I would not overlook Morejon having an SP spot for the Padres. It might take like a couple weeks or so. Because if it's a six-man, do you really need to do that right away? They might have to take advantage of a day off early, that kind of thing. But Adrian Morejon is someone you should absolutely be aware of. We have Lance Lynn going normal velocity, six over 20 whiffs on his cutter. That's good to see. Everything great there, all all full steam ahead with Lance Lynn. And Corbin Burns, 2.1 innings, 200 runs. We don't really care. It's fine. Don't worry about Corbin Burns so much. All right, looking forward to today, and I said this would be a little bit shorter than usual. Um, we have some starting pitchers to watch on TV. And, uh, of course, you know, always be watching these on Savant as well, as much as you can. It's a big deal. Um, for those on, the, we can get that data on Savant. It can go a large, a long way. Um, Tehran, as I mentioned, could have the uh, the sixth spot for the Padres, so keep an eye out on that. Actually, you know what, today I'll do something, I'll do you guys a solid and not just talk about the ones that are on TV, but also just every game quickly go over it. So James Paxton and Sonny Gray are going against each other. Paxton, uh, reports are 93-95 for him, and when he was normal, it was 95. So that's really good. If he's at 94 even, I'll take that. 
and that's really exciting we get to see him. Uh, Sonny Gray, is he throwing secondary pitches for strikes? I don't want him to be super reliant on called strikes on sinkers and four-seamers. Tywin Walker and Eduardo Rodriguez. Rodriguez is just kind of be normal, and that's fine. Tywin Walker, if you're at 94, that's exciting. If you're at 92, 93, I'm like a little out on that. Bryce Elder, eh, whatever, don't really care about that. Uh, Jose Urquidy's going, and honestly, I think Jose Urquidy's getting a little underrated at the moment. If he has another solid start, that's a guy with a good defense behind him and a winning ball club who has four pitches and should have a low whip and ERA. Like, this is, he's like the best Toby out there. So, that's kind of cool for 15-teamers. You have Johnny Cueto and Miles Michaelis again, like, and I could not care less. Drew Rasmussen and Kevin Gosman. This is a fun one. I want to see whiffs from Rasmussen and if I want to see Gosman to not get so burned by hit luck again. I think it was, what was it, point plus 40 or something hit that he had last year. It was something insane. He should be much better. Uh, as long as the velocity is there, then everything is cool. Trevor Williams is going against his old team, the Mets, uh, with Scherzer on the other side. I mean, just everything be normal there, and I don't think to see anything from Williams. Uh, we have Brad Keller, who, whatever, and uh, Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller could get that number five spot. Actually, thinking about this with Sears and Waldachuk, if Muller is so impressive and Sears stumbles at all, same with Waldachuk, it's Kyle Muller's. And that can be a really fun game um, to play. Apparently, he was throwing, like, upper 90s in a bullpen during the uh, the 2020 uh, um, uh, COVID uh, times when they were all in their own facility. And he decided to dial it back to, like, 93 to 95. But there's something extra there with Kyle Muller that I'm really curious about. Uh, yeah, Peter Lambert for Colorado. Don't care. But Anthony Descofani on the other side. I wonder how many innings the Giants push him. Could be an indication if they are going to lean on him early. If there is another SP option for San Francisco, don't rule him out. He had a lot of ankle injuries last year, and the velocity is still there. He has a really good slider. That could be something this season. Sean Manaya, speaking of velocity, uh, if he's still at 94 plus, I'm so in, I guess. I mean, that's that's a really big jump for Manaya and would open the door for his breaking stuff, I think, to be better. And John Gray's on the other side. I don't really know what I'm looking for there. I I kind of think John Gray is what he is with out a fastball that should be super productive um, against lefties. And it's he's really just a slider-focused guy with a good but not excellent fastball. And that has me hesitant. Luke Weaver is going against Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease, just don't walk, guys. <laughs> really, that's it. Um, while Luke Weaver, uh, you got to have a cutter or something else on top of the changeup and, and fastball. I've been waiting ages for it. Zach Plesak, honestly, if Zach Plesak's really bad, that could open the door for Cody Morris or Gavin Williams or Tannen Bibby, something like that. While Bryce Wilson's on the other side, and it just is painful there. Tony Gonsolin, does he have a good slider, really? Um, Tyler Anderson's on the other side. Uh, Tyler Anderson, does he have good changeups? And is he getting whiffs on that? And that would be really cool if he is. If he isn't, then that was a big reason for his success last year. It was about 35% usage as well. Hopefully that usage is still up. Merrill Kelly against Marco Gonzalez, really do not care there. Maybe we'll see the increased velocity from Merrill Kelly, but I doubt it. Kyle Gibson against Vince Velasquez. Vince Velasquez, I don't expect to see anything of interest. While Kyle Gibson, I'm really curious about his slider performance as he added a new one last year. A sweeper by the end of the year. Michael Lorenzen could be a sneaky AL-only play as he should be a starter for the Tigers. It's really about utilizing the slider and change up a ton, in my view, there. While Garrett Cole's on the other side, saying Garrett Cole, just as long as you don't have, like, three ticks down in your fastball, everything should be good. And lastly, as I mentioned, Julio Tehran, he could win that SP6 spot, so just look at the baseline performance. While there's also Justin Steele. Justin Steele. And if he has a really good fastball, that's a huge deal throwing it up. 
Hopefully he has some increased velocity because it's really just a really good slider at this point. And the fastball had its moments, but it was like 91, 92. And if it's going 94 and sitting there, well, then I might be interested in Justin Steele. But all right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for uh, subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. They go a long way for us. But that's it. So enjoy the weekend of baseball. And my name is Nick Pollock. And may your paps below and your strikeouts high.